Hi, it's Ken White. And it's Josh Barrow, and this is Serious Trouble. Uh, Ken, I'm really excited to be back. I was on vacation last week, and a great deal of news has piled up while I was on vacation. So uh, sorry for for leaving this big pile. We're actually going to do two episodes this week because there is so much to cover. Yeah, Josh, we were actually thinking that we may need to send you away occasionally to get more things to happen (laughs) in uh, the American legal system. So uh, that's going to be tested. Well, it always used to be back when we were doing all the president's lawyers, the idea was that news would inevitably drop in the period between when we recorded the episode and, you know, several hours later when we would release the episode. So I guess now we know vacation is the other thing that can shake the news tree uh, and get uh, get the fruit to fall out of the tree. Uh, So because there is so much stuff, today's episode is going to be all about Sam Bankman-Fried. We're going to have an episode later this week, uh, and the episode later this week is going to be only for paying subscribers to Serious Trouble. We're going to cover the guilty verdict against the Trump Organization. We're going to cover uh, the 11th Circuit action that finally ended that lawsuit before Judge Eileen Cannon. Uh, There is no more special master. Uh, There is no more process uh, of review of those documents that was going to slow down any potential criminal charges that could be brought related to the documents at Mar-a-Lago. We also have updates on two people who are in very serious trouble, Michael Avenatti, uh, who has again been sentenced to prison on top of his prior prison terms that he's been sentenced to. And he's how long is Michael Avenatti going to be in prison? Oh, at least 11 or 12 years. Yeah. So that's uh, that's very serious trouble. Uh, also, Joel Greenberg, who people might remember as uh, Matt Gates's one time sidekick uh, who got uh, charged uh, for for things, including uh, trafficking of a, of a minor and then also various financial improprieties. Uh, Joel Greenberg uh, has been sentenced to a substantial jail term as well. There had been uh, a lot of speculation that Greenberg uh, would uh, provide cooperating testimony that would lead to criminal charges against Matt Gates, And he was, in fact, cooperating operating with prosecutors. But uh, this this seems like a strong sign uh, that they did not find anything that they think makes sense to charge Matt Gates with. It does. And you'll hear more about what we can uh, divine from that Joel Greenberg sentencing in our episode later this week. Yeah. And uh, Elon Musk uh, may or may not also pop up in there. Elon Musk, I'd say he's in serious financial trouble in that he's overpaid drastically for this company that, uh, you know, regardless of what you think about his recent management of it, it does not seem uh, to be uh, commensurate uh, in its financial performance with that $44 billion price. Most of his trouble is not really legal trouble at this point. There are some legal angles uh, that we've been looking at with this and and will continue to do. But uh, most of, you know, the shit posting and that sort of thing, that's sort of out outside of our remit, and especially outside Ken's remit, since Ken isn't even on Twitter anymore. That's true. Uh, After many years, I'd had enough, and I quit. And uh, boy, are some people upset about that for reasons I can't completely follow. But, you know, it's all good. I'm trying to How do you know they're upset if you're not on Twitter? People send me screenshots, Josh. They enjoy (laughs) tormenting me or amusing me or both. So, so our uh, old friend Seb Gorka, you know, took shots at me. All these, oh, all these wow. weirdos. I, you know, my point has always been, Josh. If you know uh, you don't like a social media platform, vote your feet, go someplace else. Don't ask the government to come in and regulate it. So that's what I'm doing, and apparently that's bad. But whatever. We're also seeing that you you may no longer be interested in Twitter, but Twitter is still interested in you, Ken. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently I was trending, which uh, is not a great <laughs> uh, not a great feeling, but you know. 
Yeah, I do. By the way, I want to thank those of you who are new uh, subscribers to the podcast here. Ken uh, very kindly gave a list of where people could continue to follow him if they were no longer going to be seeing him on Twitter. And obviously, one of those places is right here on the Serious Trouble podcast. We've had more than a thousand of you sign up newly uh, to be receiving uh, the the emails associated with Serious Trouble. And that doesn't even count people who may have just signed up through Apple Podcasts. Uh, so first of all, I want to say welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. I think you're really going to enjoy the uh, nearly weekly uh, updates that we put out uh, twice weekly this week. And so if, if you're new here and you want to hear that episode coming later this week, if you're not new here and you still want to, you know, you want to hear about Joel Greenberg, you want to hear about Michael Avenatti, you want to hear about Donald Trump and the Trump Organization, go to SeriousTrouble.show. If you become a paying subscriber for $6 a month or $60 a year, you'll get that episode and you'll get every single full episode that we put out, more than 40 episodes a year, uh, straight to your podcast player. There's very simple instructions about how once you've signed up, uh, you can listen through the Substack app if you wish, but it also interfaces with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and most of the major podcast players. So so welcome, and uh, we especially hope that you might join us on that uh, premium tier. Uh, but Ken, let's, let's get into Sam Bankman-Fried this week, uh, speaking of financial offerings. Sam Bankman-Fried uh, was supposed to be testifying today. We're taping on Tuesday, December 13th. Sam Bankman-Fried was supposed to testify virtually uh, before the House Financial Services Committee about what the hell happened with FTX. Why didn't Sam Bankman-Fried show up for his testimony? First of all, uh, because it was going to be virtual, and I guess he's having computer issues. But more importantly, <laughs> um, he got arrested in the Bahamas uh, oh, yeah. by the government of the Bahamas, thanks to a request for provisional arrest by the government of the United States. So request for provisional arrest, that basically means we're going to extradite him and we'll have all the paperwork in order to extradite him pretty soon. But for now, please take him into custody so he doesn't run away to a country that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States. Exactly. So it turns out that uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York has indicted him in a uh, a indictment they unsealed the morning of the 13th. And they made a provisional request uh, for arrest. Now, the United States, as with most countries in the world, has a uh, extradition treaty with the Bahamas, and it's a fairly typical one. So extradition, a full formal request, is something to delight the heart of anyone who thinks law is about like powdered wigs and <laughs> ink pens and things like that. It has ribbons, Josh. It has ribbons and seals. It goes through like eight levels of government. It starts with the Department of Justice and goes to the <laughs> Office of International <laughs> Affairs and then goes to the State Department and then goes to the foreign wow. equivalent of the State Department and to the Foreign Justice Department. It's, it's beautiful. It's a ritual that, that we don't get much anymore. But if you don't have time to put that together, which is a lot of paperwork, the first thing you can do is ask for what's called a provisional arrest. Say, here, we have an arrest warrant for this person. We're going to ask for extradition soon. In the meantime, can you pick them up? And then you've got 60 days under this treaty to submit the formal extradition request. And so th that will be pursuant to this indictment that's been unsealed in the Southern District. There's also uh, a Securities and Exchange Commission action, which is a civil action against Sam Bankman-Fried. And, and so I assume, first of all, that's sort of the least of his problems right now. He's facing very serious criminal charges that he's going to be banned from Wall Street and, and fined, uh, sort of seems almost beside the point at, at, at this point. But I, one of the key things about the SEC filing is that 
Unlike the criminal indictment, which is weirdly bare bones in a way that we'll discuss in a moment, the SEC action has a pretty rich narrative explanation of the various things that they think Sam Bankman-Fried did wrong that were fraudulent, starting back in 2019 and proceeding through the events directly in the collapse of FTX in the you know in the last couple of months. Um, and so I assume that when we eventually see more meat on the bones of exactly what the criminal charges are, it's going to hew pretty closely to probably what's in this SEC document about what the civil issues are, right? Yes, although here's the thing. Civil complaints are by their nature very different than indictments. Uh, They do tend to be a lot more descriptive. SEC ones in particular, they love going into lavish detail about the nature of the fraud. Um, And it's true that being sued by the SEC is a lot less bad than being indicted by the U.S. Attorney's Office. But this is a situation that white-collar practitioners face a lot with a client who has both been charged with a crime and sued. You're really in a dilemma because in order to defend yourself in the civil case, you really have to incriminate yourself. You have to participate in discovery. You have to sit for depositions. You have to turn over documents. And that normally is very much against your interests in the criminal case. So I anticipate that uh, SBF, our friend, will be asking the SEC case to be stayed, asking a judge, a federal judge, to shut that case down for now while he defends the criminal case. That's in the judge's discretion. The judge doesn't have to do it. But that would be the typical move first. The other thing to think about there being a pending SEC case is that the SEC has a lot of powers through a federal civil case to freeze assets, to shut things down that are not ironically, is widely available through the criminal case. So by bringing this civil case at this point, the SEC has gotten into a position where it can get a lot of orders, shutting down transactions, freezing assets, things like that, that are not as easy for the federal criminal side to do. And those aren't freezes that would already be in place due to the fact that so many of these entities are in bankruptcy? They would. But the thing is, with the SEC, they'll have an easier time chasing assets that are downstream that were, uh, you know, fraudulently uh, moved and that sort of thing. So federal courts are kind of frighteningly in favor of granting whatever the SEC wants when it starts shutting down assets. Uh, It's a bad position to be in. So so you said that uh, someone who's facing a criminal and a civil action like this simultaneously would ordinarily seek to stay the civil action because of, you know, the, they'd have to make public statements in order to defend the civil case. And in a criminal case, you want to avoid making those public statements. But we're not talking about a normal client here. We're talking about Sam Bankman-Fried, who has been running his mouth to anybody who will listen, including that he was intending to testify before Congress, only interrupted by the fact that he was arrested in the Bahamas and then obtained by the Wall Street Journal. It never actually was filed with Congress, this written testimony, but the Wall Street Journal obtained written testimony from SBF that is, well, there are several adjectives I can apply to it. It was diluted. Um, But it was also extremely specific, making various responses to allegations that are relevant to both the civil and the criminal case here. And so it seems SBF has been bizarrely and inadvisably eager to get out his version of the story here. And we'll talk in in a moment about some of the stuff that we see in the SEC complaint about how that's already gotten him into a bunch of trouble. But it makes me wonder, you know, will Sam Bankman-Fried even want that stay? Uh, Because he doesn't seem bothered by the idea that he might incriminate himself if he talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. 
Well, well, two things about that. The fact he's already run his mouth a lot will be a factor the judge considers in deciding whether or not to grant a stay. If the horse has not only left the barn but galloped into the far distance, uh, the judge might think, <laughs> you know, uh, that weighs in favor of letting this case go forward. How much more can he incriminate himself? But any competent attorney is going to do everything they can to tell Sam Bankman-Fried, you've got to go for this stay. And the reason is, if you think he can't incriminate himself worse, you're wrong. Um, even as extraordinarily as he has incriminated himself, he has not yet been subjected to cross-examination. He has not yet been subjected to very specific targeted questions that he didn't really sort of have control over the format. He has not been subject yet to document demands that he has to answer. There's a way that civil discovery is far more piercing, uh, far more potentially incriminating than just him going and being an idiot on social media and on TV shows and things like that. So even though it's hard to imagine how it can get worse, I guarantee you it can get much worse. Um, it, it can get to the point where you're basically just writing the prosecutor's case in chief for them. So I guess let, let's talk about what he's actually been charged with, because there's been a lot of news coverage around the financial debacle here and basically arguments about did he steal the money? Did he just lose the money? If he lost the money, is that a crime? Because, you know, it's it's not a crime to make bad investments. Uh, but if you uh, take your customer's money that you think is they think is sitting in a safe account and you use it to bet recklessly and you lose, even if you intended to win and intended to give your customers their money back, that can still be a fraud. Uh, what is the exact nature of the charges starting with the criminal charges that have been brought against him. Sure. So the charges are in a, an indictment out of the, again, the Southern District of New York. There's conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And that's on the theory that he defrauded customers of FTX by diverting their investments to pay the expenses and debts of Alameda Research, not only a rich lifestyle, but also all the idiotic bad investments Alameda was, was doing. I, I think most people have, are read into this level, but in case people have not followed the exact details of this case, there were these two, well, there were many entities, but there were two key businesses. FTX was an exchange. Alameda Research was a hedge fund. And Sam Bankman-Fried owned majority stakes in both of them. Uh, and basically, it was customers were depositing money that was supposed to go to FTX and it was instead being used for trading by Alameda Research or to plug holes that were created by the trading losses of Alameda Research. So basically, money was supposed to be held at one of these entities and instead he was using it to prop up the business of the other entity, which is a no-no. Yeah. It's kind of like if, if you want, you bought Amazon stock and uh, instead of getting the stock, the broker was using it to uh, bet on horse races and buy Lamborghinis and things. He really um, thought those bets were going to win. He knew those horses that, you know, that, that was supposed to be those were supposed to be the fast horses. Absolutely. So yeah. conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud on the same grounds. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud on Alameda's lenders on the theory that he was lying to them about Alameda's financial condition. Uh, wire fraud, again, on the same basis. Conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, which is a nice change. You don't get a lot of commodities fraud. <laughs> uh, aimed at transactions that are called trade swaps, again, uh, involving uh, using the deposits for Alameda. Conspiracy to commit securities fraud, lying to investors about FTX's financial condition. Conspiracy to commit money laundering, using the proceeds of these wire fraud and uh, transactions 
in order to disguise the fraud and to uh, take the money and this sort of thing. Here's the thing about money laundering, Josh, in federal law. It seems super complicated, but it's often not. What you have to think of is if you earned money through something bad, unless you put the money down and sprint away from it as fast as you can, <laughs> you can probably get charged with money laundering too, because almost anything you do with the proceeds of a crime is going to be money laundering. I see. Um, and then there's conspiracy to defraud the United States through straw donations, which are you know falsifying who's making the donation and excessive contributions. And finally, allegations of forfeiture. So this, this is the little cherry on top here, that in addition to the stuff about you know the various counterparties that FTX dealt with. They lied to the customers. They lied to the lenders. They lied to the equity investors. You have charges about that stuff. And then also, Sam Bankman-Fried was an enormous political donor, and they're alleging that he fraudulently, he directed his own money to be given in other people's names, uh, which is a crime that you see from time to time. That's what Dinesh D'Souza went to prison for. And so it's, you know, in addition to all of this other stuff, they're, they're saying that he committed campaign finance law violations. Right. Now, this indictment is very unusual not in terms of the types of things it charges, but in the way it charges them. It reflects a rush, a hurry, mm -hmm. in a few ways. First of all, it doesn't charge any co-conspirators. Normally, you would expect that there to be co-conspirators charged here, or at least described in more detail. I mean, at least some members of this guy's polycule are going to wind up on the other side of a V uh, in a federal criminal case. And certainly some of the insiders at FTX are going to find themselves there, but they haven't done that yet. Um, the other way it's unusual, it is very sketchy in the sense of very little detail. This is right. the way that cases used to be charged in federal court with pretty much bare bones descriptions. There's been a trend in the last 30 years or so for what pe some people call speaking indictments, uh, indictments that tell the story, who, who really almost marshal the evidence and make the case. We saw that a lot in the Mueller investigation cases. Uh, the indictments there often told the story in detail. But at the very least, in a conspiracy count, you expect to see details like, here are 10 overt acts that people did in support of the conspiracy. You expect to see that story. That's not here yet, probably because of how quickly they had to put this together to get it done, because their point was, you know, going for uh, provisional arrest. Yeah, so why would they have been in a rush? This hearing before the House Financial Services Committee went forward as scheduled, and John J. Ray III, who's the new CEO of FTX trying to clean up SBF's mess, uh, has been answering questions from, from lawmakers in Washington. And I saw at least one member of Congress on the committee sort of suggesting that SBF had actually been charged today in order to protect him, uh, that SBF was preparing to testify before Congress. He was very likely going to lie to Congress because he lies everywhere that he goes and talks, and that he was more or less protected from that by the Justice Department coming in and, and making these charges. And wouldn't the Justice Department have liked to add lying to Congress on top of the charges here? So I guess, first of all, was it, was it somehow in SBF's personal interest to be charged this week ahead of the hearing? Josh, as a rule, it's never in your personal interest to be charged in a multi-count federal indictment. Uh, <laughs> and here, the idea that he's being saved 
from an additional line to Congress charge is, is frankly ridiculous. That's like saying if I give a guy a ride to the penalty phase of his death penalty trial, I'm just trying to spare him the parking ticket he would have gotten if he went on his own. <laughs> uh, because the lying to Congress charge in seriousness and in potential sentence is completely insignificant compared to the multi-billion dollar fraud charges here that would drive the sentence. So it, it would be... You know, it's the classic uh, kidnapping, murder, and jaywalking. Uh, no one cares <laughs> about the, the lying to Congress charge on top. So, th so then what would be the reason for the rush? Is the, is the concern that Sam Bankman-Fried, who has been chilling in the Bahamas this whole time, even as it has been clear that, you know, sooner or later he was going to get indicted, that, you know, at some point he would have wised up and fled somewhere that would be harder to extradite him from than the Bahamas? That's why they would act with this sort of rush? Yes, I suspect that when we get the full extradition package, that we may see some details about why they thought there was any urgency. But in general, I think probably flight risk was one concern. There are fewer and fewer countries uh, without extradition treaties or without sort of backdoor procedures to get someone out, but they exist and they make it very difficult to get someone back. And he's got a lot of, uh, you know, connections and assets and that type of thing. So that was a concern. Um, it may have been a concern to, to shut down any further transactions, to disable him from continuing to do things and move things. I think there's also just sort of a, a public perception issue. Uh, you know, the Justice Department has been struggling for years now with the, why don't you pull the trigger and indict Donald Trump or some of these other people? Why didn't you ever indict immediately any people from the 2008, 2009 financial collapse? Why haven't you done this? I think the spectacle of someone who is basically confessing to crimes, being out and walking around um, the Justice Department perceived it as so harmful, so seeming to suggest that we don't take these things seriously, that even though it's much more in the Justice Department's interest to do their standard, slow, methodical planning type case, they just said, you know, just just for credibility of the system, we got to pull the trigger on this guy. Because, I mean, you know, as we tape on December 13th, it's 32 days after uh, FTX went bankrupt, four and a half weeks. That is, like, really fast for a federal That's the end of today's free episode of Serious Trouble. I do want to note there's more than 20 minutes of additional conversation about Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX and uh, these criminal proceedings that we're seeing. We talk some about the account that Sam Bankman-Fried has been giving over and over and over and over in the press uh, and even uh, had been intending to give to Congress uh, before he was uh, surprisingly uh, indicted and jailed. And why why that account is not as exculpatory as he seems to think. He has this story about, you know, well, a lot of this stuff was really an accident. I was just being careless. And, you know, that may well be a crime as well, uh, given that some of the statements that he and his colleagues made about not being careless that was important to getting people to invest with them. We also talk some about the SEC civil action, which has a lot more meat on the bones right now than the criminal indictment does. And Ken talks about how Sam Bankman-Fried is like that guy who pours 100 tennis balls in front of a dog uh, with federal prosecutors being that dog. And, you know, it's a, if you're that dog, you have mixed feelings. You love tennis balls. 
but you don't know which tennis ball to run at first. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's a, it's an interesting conversation. If you go to SeriousTrouble.show for $6 a month or $60 a year, you can be a paying subscriber. You'll get that full conversation. You'll get the conversation that we have coming out later this week about Joel Greenberg and about Michael Avenatti and about the Trump Organization being convicted in court. Uh, and you, uh, you get to be a part of this uh, community. You get to participate in comment threads and you get an episode nearly once a week, in this case, twice a week. So again, uh, we hope you'll join us as a paying subscriber at SeriousTrouble.show. And in any case, thank you for listening. <laughs>